Let's Grow Big Together and all the other podcasts created by Feast of Fun are made possible because of fabulous people just like you. For an ad-free experience, visit us at feastoffun.com slash plus and become a member or join us on patreon.com slash feastoffun. At the start of the COVID pandemic, a lot of people said, to hell with it, I could be a goner tomorrow. So they pursued their wildest dreams. Bodybuilder Levi David decided to sell off most of his goods, and like a jacked-up Jesus, he traveled the country spreading his gospel of self-love and listening to your body. Let's grow big together! The podcast you started listening in order to listen to your body, only your body's always screaming, Feed me! I'm horny! And wait, I'm not numb! I'm Fausto Fernos. And I'm Mark Fillion. In this series, we're taking a look at the passion for muscle, how to build it, keep it going, muscle gods, and muscle worship. Today, muscle model and master personal trainer Levi David joins us to talk about crisscrossing the country during the COVID pandemic to rediscover his body and meet amazing people and work out in some pretty awesome gyms. Levi specializes in corrective exercise, fitness, nutrition, and mindset, and has a lot to say on figuring out ways to prevent injuries in your workouts. What the heck is fascia? Our favorite gyms we've been to. And our favorite exercises for bigger arms, or at least taking photos to make your arms look bigger. Same thing. Hello. Hi, is this Larry David? <laughs> this is Larry. Hi, Larry. Oh, you sound a lot different than uh, on Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> is, or is this Levi David? Oh, hold on. I'll go get that guy. <laughs> How y'all doing tonight? Levi, it's so good to hear your voice. <laughs> I've been following you on the Instagram lands and the YouTube lands and the Scruff and Grinder lands for a long time. Uh, I'm Fausto. I'm Mark. And you are on Let's Grow Big Together. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. So for people who don't know you, you are a master personal trainer. you like a, a Jedi Knight in dealing with people's bodies and fascia. I'm just really, really, really intense personal trainer. Um, <laughs> I... Yeah, I have a background as a gymnast and then became a gymnastics coach. And we can get into a little bit of that story because it's a big part of why I do what I do now. But got into body work and specialized in fascia, uh, postural assessment, and structural integration. Um, evolved into a personal trainer and uh, just has taken that as far as I could education-wise, and became a master personal trainer. Master personal trainer. I'm a sucker for education. What, what's the difference between just a regular personal trainer and a master personal trainer? Is it the paycheck? Is this the way you spell it? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, there, there, is a, there is actually, like, a different type of training that you have. There is... Um, so if, are you familiar with the credentialing bodies and personal training, like NASM, ACE? Well, there's a few Not really, them, but, but if you could give us a quick rundown. I thought your AMSR videos were like, when you're whispering and eating pickles. <laughs> Which you also do, right? 
I do whisper sometimes, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. let's say there, there are these credentialing bodies that are um, deemed by the government to be like the proper channels to go through for personal training. Mm-hmm. Um, and some states, I, I guess they govern different jobs differently from other states. Like in massage therapy, my license it's only good in certain states, and I would have to like test out in another state to up it. But in personal training, uh, they're accepted nationwide, so it's a little bit more flexible. Um, and with that being said, there's a lot of companies that offer certifications in personal training, but there's only a couple that have really risen to the top because they have science-backed education and um, proven knowledge, and and they're like really the real deal as far as education goes versus just going somewhere and getting a certificate. You got a, a certificate? <laughs> I got a certificate and it's framed. And and so one thing that attracted me to you besides, I mean, you have a phenomenal physique as a gymnast, you're really tall. You're six foot two. Yes. And at the most you ever weighed in competition form was 240 pounds. Not as a gymnast. That was after my gymnastics career. That's a lot of muscle tumbling for you. That's a lot of gymnast. Yeah. But you were probably, I mean, what were you when you were doing gymnastics? 200? No. So that was in high school. Yeah. I was probably about 180, mm-hmm. 185. Um, I actually kept growing and growing until like I was 24, 25. Um, I want to say I was maybe like 5'11 at the end of high school. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And so one dream that you've always had was to travel the country. And, you know, certainly you have had a following on social media for being this, you know, beautiful blonde muscle God. And then the COVID pandemic struck and you're like, fuck it. And like a jacked up Jesus, you sold everything, got in a van (laughs) and went everywhere, man. How did you know I said, fuck it? I haven't told anyone that part. (laughs) Um, I actually had been dreaming of van life for years and watched like all the YouTubes and had like secretly designed my van in my head already. Um, And then when COVID hit and my gym shut down, I decided it was time to live another dream. So I did it. What do you think it has inspired you to drive around the country like that? Honestly, what inspired me is I got COVID and I nearly died from it. Oh, jeez. I had a really severe case, and what happened to you? Oh gosh! People um, need to hear it, you know, because yeah, we're yeah, still yeah. in the middle of this pandemic, and I still don't think a lot of people get just how serious and dangerous they can be. Yeah, I agree. Um, so i I got it from someone I was dating at the time, and I went home. He went home. He wasn't feeling good. He got tested, um, found out he was positive, told me. Uh, he pulled through it real quick, but for whatever reason, for me, like it just like started destroying me. Like My energy was gone. And when I mean gone, I mean like I could walk up a flight of stairs and then I would have to lay in bed for a week. It was oh, really wow. extreme. Yeah, and I was, I was having heart issues and lung issues and pleurisy, so inflammation around my lungs. Um, and, uh, my throat just felt like I had swallowed glass. Like it was just raw and, um, it's been two years since then. And just in the last month, like I finally feel 
my energy kind of coming back. So, so you, you a, caught COVID before there were any vaccines available to the public. I did, yeah. And I was in Washington State, so it was one of the ports where it really entered the country in a strong way. And so for you, like long COVID is a, is a, is a huge ordeal. Oh, yeah. It's, it's part of my life. And it's not something that I feel like I'm settling with because I'm always challenging myself to learn new things about health and guinea pig it on myself because if I can figure out how to feel healthier, it's, I feel more confident in guiding someone else through that. But yeah, it's no joke. Yeah. I have a couple of friends of mine who are bodybuilders and they caught COVID. You know, they were the first to catch COVID in the beginning of the pandemic before there was any vaccines available. And, yeah. you know, some of these guys, they still look amazing, but they feel like it's been a real challenge just eating food and just having uh, your cardiovascular health be where it used to be. Yeah. And actually, I wouldn't mind talking a bit about that journey because it's it's uh-huh. definitely informed who I am now as a trainer and as a person. But I've always been an advocate for listening to your body. So mm. I know when I talk about that, a lot of people are like, what the hell do you mean? Um, but I really feel like our body is wired to to communicate back with us. It gives us signals, whether it's through pain or excitement or whatever, lack of mobility, excessive mobility. Um, so all of this time, like I, I was really appreciative of my body and realizing like, wow, you're going through a lot. How can I support you? Um, and when I finally started getting a little bit of energy, like I worked out as much as I could, which for the first day was literally like three push-ups. And then the next day, listening to my body, I did like, I don't know, like five squats. And then within like a week, I was doing maybe like 12 minutes of exercise. And then I actually came across some peptides that were for mitochondrial efficiency and boosting your energy took those and within a day I was doing hour and a half workouts and it was hmm. really quite fascinating. So are you deducing from, from your experience that COVID had an effect on your mitochondria energy production? I would say so, especially with a peptide that's supposed to boost mitochondrial efficiency and taking that made a world of difference. Um, I, I would definitely say that it's, it caused systemic inflammation for me. But you know, inflammation is um, kind of one of the biggest <laughs> degradations of the body. Yeah. But don't we want to be swole? <laughs> we want to be so inflamed. You want your muscles to swell, but you also want them to like not be swole over time because chronic inflammation leads to all sorts of um, problems. Well, when we think about inflammation, problems. like we think of usually a bee sting. Yes. But yeah. the inflammation is your. All, inflammation is also something like arthritis, right? It's arthritis. Yeah. It's the lining of your stomach, mm-hmm. not being able to digest food. And, you know, and, and I point this out to somebody. It's like, you know, you may be pushing your body really hard to do this or that. But at the core of bodybuilding is eating food. And if you can't eat food, what's the yeah. point to anything? Right. <laughs> You have right. to eat a lot of food. We, uh, you have to eat a lot of food. Yeah. And we mentioned that uh, when you have to eat a lot of food, it also means you're spending a lot of time in the bathroom. We had a listener write, and he's like, you guys are not <laughs> kidding. Ever since I started working out, I'm eating more food. It's just like, it's a nonstop poop machine. You got to finish that toilet. <laughs> you make that toilet your bitch. <laughs> 
You say, who's going to win, Chrome Bowl or me? I'm going to win, and I'm going to punish you like you've never seen it before. You're going to eat it. Eat it all. But So uh, so your road to recovery started with you feel like taking the supplement to, to kind of re-energize your It's not a supplement. It's a peptide. A peptide, It's, it's yes. basically like what in, it falls into the world of steroids okay, or illegal um, steroids because you're buying this stuff online and you're not sure if it's real or not. And is that but right? not entirely because yeah. it's it can be used for research purposes only and in order to be considered a peptide or a nootropic it has to have no negative no known negative side effects and the androgen effect in most of them are like a ratio of 1 to 2000 and in most steroids it's like a 1 to 2 ratio oh so it's quite different from an actual steroid and considered much safer to use and that was the, that was like the first step on your road to recovery yeah, I had heard of them for a while. Like I'd listened to bunches of podcasts from like Ben Greenfield or Dave Asbury, and I would hear them talk about peptides. And in my back of my mind, I was like, eh, maybe one day I'll mess with them. But I, in a state of desperation, I was like, you know, this is the time to try them. <laughs> what can I lose? More energy? Not going to happen. So, well, that's the thing is, you go. know, like I talk to a lot of young uh, aspiring bodybuilders, and you know, they're always like. I don't want to do steroids because they're, you know, evil and peptides are natural. And I'm like, honey, either way, you're going to be paying. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. and, and my, my mind thought about it is it's like for especially for young bodybuilders, you know, I'm talking like ages 25 to 35, you know, just make your first cycle be steroids. And, you know, the I feel like a lot of peptide talk is usually like sort of soft pedaling what people want to be doing with their bodies, which is build extreme forms of muscle, but your background is more in, uh, you know, it's more aligned with yoga and meditation and balance and gymnastics. And, and you were a model for a while in New York, right? Or I was, yeah. yeah. Um, that was an model. interesting, that was an interesting journey. Cause it's, I got recruited when I was at 236 pounds of muscle. And when I signed my contract, they're like, and now we need you to be down to 165 pounds. And I was like, uh, wait, what? what? They, they hired you because you were 235 pounds. And I, yeah. like, we're posting these pictures, uh, you know, spank bank, baby. You know? <laughs> and, and, and part of it is like, they hired you based on how you looked at the time. And then the modeling industry said, uh, you don't fit into any of our clothes. Like your biceps were too big. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a it was an odd situation. Honestly, I think my agent was a bit of a joke, but um, and I think I was in the wrong market in New York where they want the guys to be so skinny. I needed to be in a market where they didn't require me having a shirt on because I didn't need to fit in a shirt. Um, yeah, you got to show the goods. You got to show the goods, baby. Show, listen, this show is all about big titties. <laughs> <laughs> double D's, we get double D's. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> well, and yeah. I'm honored to be on here. Well, and, and that's the thing. It's like, so you found yourself in a situation where more than gymnastics or any other fitness field modeling, you were sort of being pressured to fit a certain body shape so they wouldn't have to rebuild the clothes that you would be modeling and have you, you know, perform a job. Yeah, it was a really interesting dynamic. Um, I didn't stay in, stay in yeah, it long uh -huh. because it, I was like dizzy all the time. My workouts were not about putting on muscle. In fact, like when I'm maintaining and not even at the gym, I'm normally about 200 pounds of muscle. And so that required me to eat very little, 
do cardio an extreme amount and still trying to do it as healthy as I could, mm-hmm. even with the pressures of like, just like develop an eating disorder. I'm like, no, I want to care for my body while I do this. But even with all of that, dizzy and like lightheaded and it was rough. So I didn't, I didn't stick to it too long, but it was quite the learning experience. And so for that, from New York, then you moved back to back home, which is uh, in Washington state. Um, yeah, I, I moved to Washington state, which was not home. It was actually the first time I I moved there, but, um, had a brother who had suffered a traumatic brain injury in service. And I moved there to help him recover because some of my background, um, makes me comfortable with rehabilitative recovery type of modalities. So I moved there, helped him recover and then started a life in, in Washington state. And so in, in a lot of ways, your bodybuilding is sort of recovery oriented. And so your YouTube channel focuses on a lot of prehab and for people that don't understand what that means is is preventing injury in the first place by training your body as if it was injured beautifully said yeah i i really feel like modern medicine is so brilliant in so many ways but i think one area that it shoots us in the foot is we're really cultured to go get help when it's basically become an emergency or a dire Mm -hmm. situation but the way my mind is wired is like this body is a gift like how can i care for it and how can i um how can i keep it healthy as long as possible um so that's what i like to teach in in my training and my modalities and yeah a lot of it came out of necessity because of massive injuries actually in high school gymnastics i had suffered an injury called anterior spondylolisthesis which is like a fancy name for saying my vertebrae slid off of the other vertebrae and started severing my spinal column. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I was How told... How something like that happen? Doing a double backflip with a full twist and just your muscles literally pulling your bones out because you're pulling so hard. Damn. But <laughs> yeah. you had a lot of power, too, you know, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. gymnasts have, like, a an unreasonable amount of strength and power, so it's... It's it's not your normal situation, but doctor said I'd be paraplegic for life, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go learn all about the body. Um, so yeah, the necessity has allowed me to learn a lot about the body, and in a way that is actually really important and empowering to me, and why it's important for me to share that with other people. Well, that's like how I kind of dovetail into bodybuilding too. Besides, you know the the sexual desire of being a muscular man and connecting with other muscular men. It is sort of like mitigating a lifetime of sitting behind a desk. Mm-hmm. And I've had physical therapists and doctors say, like, if you don't overcome this, you'll be in a wheelchair. And so oh, I damn, deal yeah. with like chronic lower back and, and hip and knee issues that will never, ever truly go away. And so all the things that I do every single day is sort of like how to protect myself or prevent that from getting worse. Right, which is awesome that you give that to yourself. And also, who knows, maybe they will go away sometime. One could dream, you know, I had a yoga teacher one time, and this was a great idea. If you leave the gym feeling exactly the same way you went going in, you did a good job. Mm. Or (laughs) slightly better. All right. You definitely don't want ever to feel like, you know, we're so like no pain, no gain, but it's like, you know, the more you start lifting and exercising, you start dis- differentiating between harm and exhaustion. 
Yeah, which can be really easy to do in like a, a bodybuilding mindset because you're really trying to push mm-hmm. the limit and threshold all the time. Um, it's it's a kind of an interesting balance and tightrope walk. Um, something that I really enjoy because mastering the body is it's just such a fun way to get to know yourself and push limits. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not a big advocate of no pain, no gain. I'm not harping on anyone who is, but I love studying neurology and applied neurology. And pain is the brain's response of saying, like, that thing's not safe. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. get that away from well, that. The thing. only person that says no pain, no gain anymore is Cher in old uh, Bally's <laughs> little fitness ads. Well, she's walking uh, on the treadmill in high heels. Yeah. She's like, all right, only, I'm a believer. Only I'll, quitters I'll give no pain, up. No you want to <laughs> no look this good, honey? You got to lift. <laughs> Real women squat deep. She needed the money. <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't know Get that Cher was like a fitness model in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And um, for a long time, for a good decade was the spokesperson for the holiday spas and gyms facility that eventually evolved into uh Bally's total fitness. And then LA, LA fitness mm. oh, uh, wow. gym franchise. You can see that her videos on YouTube. Too. It's, they're hysterical. <laughs> and the thing about it is like, I I've been lifting since I was in eighth grade and I went, I saw gyms evolve from what you see on the TV show dynasty, which is mm. basically like a women's spa with <laughs> machines in it to, you know, the, the gold's gym, sweaty black leather, kind of like soft core porn kind of mm-hmm. feeling. Everyone's grunting. And then, you know, the boutique gyms with the high ceilings and the inspirational phrases like, you know, <laughs> you, only your mind is the only limit. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms for you, you had this crisis, you almost died. You've dedicated your life to your body and here your body sort of betrays you or, or is, is at odds, right? You're, you could have died at that point. Right. And so you said, you know what, I'm going to get in the van, go to Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Charleston, Yellowstone, Portland. You went around the country from corner to corner. I did. I pretty much made an X around it and then I decided to like go around the whole perimeter. I was just like enjoying the road. I asked you to stop in Chicago you didn't. (laughs) Damn you Levi. (laughs) I gotta keep you wanting more. Yeah and so so you met a lot of people you went to a lot of gyms you worked out or I guess were the gyms closed at the time when you were traveling? Honestly it really depended on the state I was in. Um, It was interesting spending big chunk of COVID on the road because it's like you could drive from town to town and just see like, Oh, everyone's in masks or like no one's out on the street. This is a ghost town or like no one's in masks. They don't even know what's going on. You know, there's just like all these different cultures, like all over the country, which was pretty fascinating to, to see and witness. And yeah, some, the gyms were open some, they were boarded up. It was really interesting. And did you meet any interest? I mean, I imagine that you had the the gay dating apps open oh, yeah. as you're driving by yourself across the country, and you're not a bad looking guy. So, did you I find a place a to spend the night? <laughs> <laughs> was Van Honestly, life very solitary? It was solitary, but I loved it. Um, I'm someone who actually am not a lonely person. Like. I enjoy my company. Uh-huh. I kind of get lost in my thoughts. 
Um, but I also enjoy a company of quality people. So I, I found on the dating apps, like there's some really entertaining conversations. <laughs> um, I get to be exposed to a lot of culture that I'm like, oh, wow, that exists out there. Um, but it's really quite rare that I come across someone that I want to continue talking with or even get to the place where I meet them. Um, and actually, I've really enjoyed our conversations quite a bit because they're quite engaging. But yeah, Are you I've talking about me? Yeah, I'm talking about you. Well, this is where the audience goes, ooh. ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Made a couple of friends along yeah. the way. Made a couple of uh, stories along the way. Um, it was a fun time. I, uh, I am willing to answer questions around that if you have any specifics. But um, you need to tell us the that. name of the guy and how what he looked like, what sexual acts <laughs> took place, at what hour of the day. No, I mean, you know, in a sense, like you're sort of like it's interesting because you went on this journey, sort of to escape, in some ways, or or to explore. And in in, in a lot of ways, you gained a deeper understanding of your body inside. Yeah, actually, it gave me a real sense of freedom, which was Mm -hmm. wonderfully refreshing. Um, Not having a a schedule I was trying to meet, not needing to be anywhere in particular. My heart would say, like, go find a waterfall. So I would Google a waterfall. Or, like, go to this town and see what the gay scene is like. Um, Who has a good gay scene? Honestly, I haven't found one. Uh, I'm still in search for this. So, like a good gay scene, you've traveled the entire country and all the gay bars suck. Well, I'm not a drinker, so I didn't go to too many gay bars. I really wanted to go dancing, but there wasn't a lot of dancing open during COVID times. And, uh, like, you know, this is one thing that Mark and I have observed in the last 15 or 20 years. Gyms, because, you know... These these Instagram influencers and bodybuilders realize that half of their audience are going to be gay guys drooling over them. <laughs> and, you know, they, they even make a, this a joke, right? They're like, I, I lifted weights to get muscles to get attention right. of girls. And all I have is attention of men. And, you know, so like gyms have kind of become kind of like, you know, this new queer space. And little, like uh, some of my market. dearest friends that I have now are sort of like people that I see on a regular basis at the gym. Whereas in the past it used to be at gay bars that we used to see those things. Right. <laughs> we know what we like in our culture. So we just adapt. Was there any kind of gyms that you went to that were just like, wow, I wish I lived here. Cause this is an amazing place. Actually. Yeah. There was one in, I want to say McMinnville, Oregon, which was an hour west of portland i was so shocked when i walked in i'm like whoa people are taking care of themselves here what's the name of the gym i think it was a planet fitness actually a planet fitness in mcminnville <laughs> oregon yeah and what was the cruisiest gym like you don't have to say the location but was there anything where you just walked in and you're like oh my god everybody was just doing it <laughs> <laughs> no i surprisingly am wildly oblivious to that stuff like i'll go in with a friend at the gym and then we'll leave out and they're like why were all those people staring at you and i'm like what <laughs> what's going on did they like um, me, were they staring? me? Was, i, I should have worn a, a, a sm- size small t-shirt with these sleeves cut off I think I, uh, I need to daddy start, shorts. My great I need to start like, <laughs> whipping my head around to like try to catch someone in the act. People are sleuthy. 
Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you know, I just smile and say, hello, how, mm-hmm. how you doing? I mean, Mark really? and I, we've been through some really amazing gyms. Mm-hmm. And the Ooh. one gym that Mark and I always tell people to stop at <clears throat> is in Cleveland. Westlake, that LA Fitness at Westlake, Ohio, for some <laughs> reason. And I asked somebody uh, who, like, from at the gym, I'm like, why are there so many people here that are in shape? You know, because you go to a, you know, any kind of gym and let's say, you know, maybe there's five or 10 guys at the most that you're just like, wow, this guy's in incredible shape. And God, I I would love to meet him after the gym. You go here and it's like, it's literally like one day I kind of, I'm like, there are like 35 really (laughs) incredible in shape men here. And somebody told me it was uh, because the, the football team, um, practices nearby. And so <laughs> all the adjacent people affiliated with that kind of industry work out at that gym. And then so, in right. Austin, Texas, uh, you know, the, the UT men's swim team is legendary and it's full of gays <laughs> out the mall. All they've always, <laughs> I don't, you know, there's something about being gay and swimming or what is it? that you get to shower with men. Yeah. But the UT men's swim team especially, and this is because I went to school there, but the Gold's Gym in Middle Fiskville Road in Austin, Texas is another amazing place to go to. And of course, we've worked out at the Mecca with the gold, the original Gold's Gym in Venice Beach in Hollywood, which All is right. filled with people filming themselves for Instagram. It is. And the spaghetti strap tank tops going on. And you're like, Oh my God, I masturbated to that guy. Oh my God. I masturbated (laughs) to you. Oh my God. This is like my, my fantasy come to life, (laughs) you know? And then we've also been to, uh, gosh, Mark, you went to one of those gyms that was built in a church. Oh, in New York City. Yeah, it was the old limelight. I was walking around with my friend Jason and I saw um, I was just uh, he's like, that's the old limelight. It's a gym now. I'm like, oh, let's take a quick look. And then there was this uh, super hot guy hanging outside. And he was, Nick, uh, Nick, what's his last name? Sandow, right? And the next Sandow. Yeah, he's, yeah. An, in, he's an Instagram stud. I think he might have an OnlyFans, too. Uh, he's just like, I'll give you a tour. And so I was just like, oh, great. You know, because this limelight <laughs> is legendary. I mean, it was a big part of the club scene in the 80s and 90s. Right. And then the David Barton, whose wife was, oh, God. Uh, she Barsh. was, yeah, Elaine, uh, uh, Elaine Barsh, right, right, yeah, Barsh, Suzanne, yeah. Suzanne Barsh, yeah, yeah. there uh, they make an appearance of all movies to Wong Fu. <laughs> Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar mm-hmm. and David Barton at uh, the as his prime is their bodybuilder flexing for like a a, a second in the movie, <laughs> and he and his wife started this chain of gyms in New York City that were like at the heyday were tourist destinations for gay men who like to muscle and like to lift weights. So the term right. was called like muscle Mary. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm going to body, fas- yeah. body fascism was the other term they were using, <laughs> you know, because part of it, it was like, you know, we've always had this sort of inequality in terms of being the ability to build muscle or the ability to cultivate your body because it requires time, energy, and resources, but also required knowledge and training. Right. And now with the internet, I think it's made things a lot more even. So if you're a person who's like, I want to build that kind of body and that kind of muscle, well, now there's a lot of free resources out there. It's true. It's and true. you know, tons of podcasts, tons of website, Reddit, bodybuilding, Reddit steroids. Um, there's like all kinds of communities on Facebook. Let's you know, let's get huge, which is what let's grow big together borrows its name from. 
is another just there's so much stuff out there, you know. And so in terms of like finding good resources to build muscle, there's no shortage of it. But in terms of like, you know, preventative stuff, a lot of people don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, and, and a lot of people even don't know what like fascia is. And that's not a drag queen contestant from drag race. Oh, it should be. <laughs> should be Fasha. Your Masha, your Fasha, your sister, your brother. But the Fasha is, is, is somebody described it as a it's it's the, it's a like a it's a tissue that lives between your skin and your muscle. Yeah, it's so much more than that, actually. Uh-huh. If you if you were to remove every bit of biology from your being that was not fascia you would still have the container like the fascia is literally the the mold that holds everything so um there are actually trains of thought that believe fascia isn't differentiated from any other tissue like it's all one and the same um which is quite fascinating to think about what do you mean by that it's 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 not differentiated from any other tissue so you know like most anatomy books are going to show you like all of these separate muscles, mm-hmm. which is very useful because they're all innervated differently and they move joints differently. Um, but when it comes to fascia or muscle fascia, um, it's indifferentiable. Like fascia is a continuous matrix or a continuous web that that goes throughout your body, and fascia is a singular unit, but it goes everywhere. So the, because- fa- the fascia that's holding like my calf muscle in place um, is the same unit that's holding like my shoulder and muscles in place absolutely yeah connected to each other and i think a lot of people um at least the people that i'm coaching Mm -hmm. it's really eye-opening for them when i explain like yes you have all these individual muscles but it's all one thing that's connected and so if you're having a because fascia is one unit, mm-hmm. if it's pulling towards somewhere in the body, it means it also has to be pulling from everywhere, oh. which is quite fascinating because then you get down to like not just like piecemeal trying to correct the body, mm-hmm. but you have to understand the story of where the pain's coming from, where the brain is trying to protect, mm-hmm. um, how to unwind it from there, and the whole body can actually open up just because of addressing a singular fascial issue. And because with the fascia too, like that, that's where the nerves where you feel pain or pleasure and stuff, they also run along through the fascia as well. I mean, because fascia wraps everything, mm-hmm. yeah. And so it, what this fascia is, is really, it's just kind of like, you know, it's a, a, a bag holding all your meat. Yeah, it's, it's a right? container, yeah. yeah. And it's basically made mostly comprised of like collagen, right? Yeah, collagen and elastin. Collab- so it's collagen, rigid yeah. enough to give a structure, but flexible enough mm-hmm. to allow movement. Right, and so some people, incredible. so, you know, if you have like, um, uh, what is it? I was, because I was kind of reading some of this kind of stuff. Um, if you eat like a collagen-rich diet, it's supposed to support your collagen. And that's why, you know, people who look younger typically have a face that's, you know, not sagging because they have that collagen. And part of that is because their fascia is well-fed and supporting everything. Yeah. I mean, keeping fascia healthy is going to create a lot of benefit and longevity and mobility. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting when you said how it's all connected, because this is something Fausto taught me like years ago. He's just like, let's say your bicep hurts, right? 
you have mm-hmm. to kind of look at what's that op what's on the opposite side of that you know what's on the other side because maybe your tricep is the thing that's actually like where the where the problem is causing but it's just manifesting itself in the bicep and so you know i've been able to kind of figure out some body pains but you know as you do is like listening to your body being like if it's hurting here let me look at what the opposite side is because like you said if your fascia is hurting here it might be pulling from someplace else and that might be the cause of something yeah, sexy points for you guys. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> and, and that's even, that's beyond fashion. That gets into neurology. Mm-hmm. So uh, opposing muscles are what allow a joint to move, right? So when mm-hmm. one muscle on one side of the joint shortens, the other one has to lengthen in order for movement to happen. Mm-hmm. But we can create these habitual patterns where one is stuck and shortened, which means, versely, the other one has to be stuck in a lengthened position. Mm-hmm. And the one that's stuck in a lengthened position is the one that's under stress, possibly. Um, tearing muscle fibers, mm-hmm. getting that pain response. Um, neurologically, the priority goes to the the muscle that's shortened. And so a lot of times people are trying to address this pain um, in a muscle that's really just symptomatic of what the opposing muscle is doing to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's fascial related, but really that part is uh, the neurology behind joint movement and muscles. Mm-hmm. And op- dealing with the opposing muscle is most likely... The the way to fix most of those little issues. Now, Fausto and I are, are big believers in foam rolling. Uh, and it's just, Which is the, the, yeah. the, what is the term is myofascial reliefs. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we just say foam rolling because everybody knows what those sticks look mm-hmm. like. And then you just oh, yeah. roll your muscles on yeah. them. Oh, yeah. What's your experience with with those like? The first time I did it, I have to say I, I, I did smoke a little pot, and so and I, and I, and I <laughs> oh, you're gonna do it the right way. And then I and then I foam rolled, and I literally I had tears came out of my eyes, and not and not because of like pain, but it just felt like such a release. Like, have you ever had a massage before, and just kind of like mm-hmm. you get a little tear come out because you're just like something's being released. It wasn't emotional. I mean, I guess it was emotional in some some degree, but it wasn't like it was sad or anything. But it was just I felt like it was just like uh, I was on to something. It, I describe it as like if you know you're a lion with a thorn in your paw, and you find that mouse that I was able to remove it, <laughs> and you realize I've had this pain my entire life, and now yeah. it's not there anymore. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's just and you have a mouse friend. Yeah, and you have a little mouse that will do anything you want to when you need it. <laughs> Glad yeah, it's not a gerbil. <laughs> <laughs> but so you know, in terms of like myofascial release or foam rolling, uh, there is a school of thought that said don't do it before you lift because it gets your tendons, your fascia, your tissue too soft. And you want some of that tension when you're lifting and doing the foam rolling afterwards is where you, where you do it. Where do you feel about this? Oh man. So where I feel might be a little bit contradictory to a lot of what's out there, but it's coming from a corrective exercise mentality. So uh, that train of thought comes from you don't want to change your length tension relation uh, relationship in your muscles before you engage activity, um, which is really important to understand for someone who's like a competitive athlete because you don't you don't want to change the way their muscles and joints interact to do a competitive sport because they've trained it a certain way um, and it can take a certain amount of time neurologically to adapt to the new length tension relationship. With that said, um, in a gym setting, uh, my thought is the ideal to, to engage movement and workout in 
is from a, a state of homeostasis or from neutral joint postures across the body. So if you're just stretching willy-nilly and you're um, stretching places that don't need it, then it ap- absolutely is going to negatively affect uh, what you're trying to achieve in your workout. But if you know strategically what muscles are shortened and need to be lengthened in order to put the joint into a neutral position, you're actually going to benefit from it when you engage the exercise because you're going to have more strength potential output when you engage those moves. Um, and that being said, strategic stretch before but afterwards, stretching the fascial body around the parts that you worked out um, is huge in facilitating um, facilitating growth in the body because your body is limited in the size that your muscles are allowed to get based off the fascial compartments that hold them. So if I mm. want big biceps, I'm going to foam roll my biceps and my triceps. No? <sighs> it depends. So foam rolling, uh, that gets in kind of a whole different topic. But essentially, you're kind of like pushing things around, right? You really need to stretch the fascia. So if you're looking for ways to stretch the fascia in a, a workout, paradigm, you want to get um, some sort of supplement in that is going to allow for water retention so that you're essentially filling the fascial compartment like a water balloon, which is going to stretch it from the inside. Then you want to, within your workout, get your pump on because that pump and the forced blood flow in the area is going to also increase like pressing the fascial body outward or stretching it internally. And then my recommendation is once you have a pump to put that muscle into a stretched position, which is further going to stretch the fascial compartment. So you're really maximizing and trying to create as much stretch enhancement in the fascial compartments as possible. Foam rolling in the air might possibly like press the fluids out. Um, It really depends on how you use it. So Mm -hmm. this, the standard protocol for foam rolling is like you just go kind of go roll it all, which maybe you will accidentally like break up some um, adhesions in your fascia. Mm-hmm. But the way I like to coach foam rolling is that every muscle has an origin point and an insertion point. And in most cases, the insertion point is where it crosses the joint that it's going to move. And in order to create length in a muscle, you have to move it or work it from origin point to insertion. So if you're going to foam roll effectively, like let's say you have tight quads, they're so tight and shortened that they cause hyperextended knees. For me, that that translates as a shortened quad. So if you wanted to roll your quads effectively, you would start up at the hip and you would roll down towards the knee and then reset hip to knee, hip to so knee. So back, not back and forth, down and then move your body. It's like you're, it you're thinking about your body as a, as, as a dough that you're rolling with a rolling pin, but you're only going like yeah. in that one direction. Yep. You're not going backwards. No. Um, I mean, there could be a different application for rolling it all over, like exploring the fascia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really when you're getting down to trying to address structural mm-hmm. integration, like you want to be really strategic mm-hmm. about how you move those muscles and the fascia also like is also contains the lymph nodes right it binds those kind of together as well right and i'm oh, yeah, sure because it and, holds and the, everything and then the foam rolling is like you know some people are really into like draining their lymph nodes right isn't that like a healing kind of thing that people do yeah but 
Honestly, if they're trying to foam roll it, then they don't know enough about the lymphatic system okay. because the majority of the lymphatic system lives right underneath the surface of the skin. And in order to effectively mobilize it, it's a very light touch. The moment you push deep into it, you're actually moving beyond mm. um, the, the majority of the, the mobilized lymphatic system. Um, in terms of getting your body in an anabolic state to lift weights and grow... Um, the takeaway from talking to different trainers and bodybuilders on this show and see, I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on this is try to, you know, limit your time warming up, but keep your warm up mo in movement oriented as opposed to pose oriented and try to raise your core temperature by doing cardiovascular exercise between 10 and 20 minutes. And once you're warmed up and once you have a lot of movement in your body and you can kind of, you see other people's like sort of like swinging their arms around where they're going to be doing chest stuff, mm -hmm. getting your body sort of warmed up and, and flexible and moving, then you start lifting. And then that at the end, you do the, the static poses like, uh, you know, stretching to stretch your hamstrings, for example. Right. And you're asking my thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I would agree with a lot of it because, I mean, there's so many studies that support that um, training on endurance mm -hmm. equipment like treadmill, elliptical, rowing machine for long periods of time are actually very catabolic mm -hmm. and will break down your body. But HIIT training, high-intensity interval training, um, actually promotes a lot of anabolic um, responses in your body. Um, and so... Keeping it in a very focused time of like really intense movements, getting our body warmed up, I think it is an incredible way to not just get cardiovascular benefit, but to really essentially train your body to adapt to a stimulus. And generally, that sort of adaptation is going to be based off what stimulus you're giving it, and it's going to want to do better next time. So, so yeah, something that's intense and quick and moving a lot, and your body's like, okay, next time I want to do that better. You talk a lot about listening, learning to listen your body. And, you know, a lot of people listen to this podcast in order to learn how to listen to your body. But my body's always screaming, feed me. I'm horny. And wait, I'm not numb. <laughs> I know this is about your body because I get a lot of those messages. About you. <laughs> what, what, uh, in terms of like learning to listen to your body, what kind of guidance can you give to people? So the way I like to put it is, you know, how body language accounts for the vast majority of communication. So a lot of people, when they think like, what do you mean my body communicates to me? Well, your body is communicating to everyone else. <laughs> you know, just learn how to translate it for yourself. Um, and I think when we pay attention to what actual body language is saying, it can be really informative um, just getting in touch further with ourselves. Um, so the way I like to put it is if, if someone doubts me when I'm sharing this sort of um, dogma, uh, I'll challenge them and say, okay, what does depression look like in a posture? Like, do you know someone who looks depressed? And inevitably, everyone shows me like a collapse around the heart, shoulders forward and down, head kind of down. And I'm like, so you already know the language of the body. You just hadn't taken time to like put it into words and study it and get familiar with it and get fluent with it. But our body is communicating to us all the time. Like that's why a power pose in the mirror, where you look like a superhero, can actually change the state of your emotions because it's all connected. But how I like to put it in like a corrective exercise paradigm is most people kind of think like, oh, I'm comfortable or I'm in pain. 
Um, but between those two points, there's a whole spectrum. There's comfort, and then you kind of go into engagement, um, and then you go into your body's not entirely sure if it's safe, so it starts getting guarded, and then past guarding, then you get into actual pain where your body's trying to escape that thing. And so I teach people the spectrum of when you're comfortable, you're, you're not giving your body anything to adapt to, which is fine, but it's not going to meet any goals like you're trying to do in the gym. When you're in pain, you're actually telling your brain that, that you can't be trusted if you're continuing to push your body into the pain. And so your brain is actually going to continue to put more barriers and limits around your movement, um, which in the long run is really going to stunt what you're trying to achieve. Um, so I tell people that the sweet spot in understanding this sort of corrective paradigm is right before guarding, right before your brain starts to wonder if it's safe to do that thing, because then you're in that perfect spot where your brain says, okay, I'm capable and it's safe, but I'm right at the edge where I'm not sure if beyond this is safe. So it's the perfect realm to adapt because the brain feels safe enough to learn more. Um, and, and it's learning that it can trust you in movement. So that's what I mean when I'm talking about listening to your body. It's this constant conversation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And part of it is uh, you know, being in a meditative state. Like even, way, yeah. even the top bodybuilders, they're all like, oh, I meditate, you know, 20 minutes a day. And I'm just like, man, you're like at the gym for two hours, you're meal prepping, you're <laughs> meditating. Do you have a job? And a lot of them don't. But you know, for those of us who are going to work, sometimes just uh, being in your car, when you turn off your car and giving yourself one minute, and there's a lot of apps and even like your smartwatch has a breathing app in it and just breathing Oh yeah. Without any phone calls, anybody in the room, no one can bother you. Being there with your body, with your breath can be transformative. Oh, absolutely. Even just taking time to be aware of yourself um, is huge. Because I think, I think so many people are living this life where they're constantly trying to escape themselves, escape life. And just taking time to realize, like, here I am, life is good. Or here I am, mm -hmm. um, Whatever is happening is like I'm being present to. Uh, just taking a moment to be present is so powerful. For sure. I learned something this past year, which I thought was kind of interesting and something I've been kind of meditating myself on is, is that, you know, we have that human, that fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. um, and they they figured out that it's initiated by your bones. Your bones sent out some kind of chemical message about oh, the fight or flight. And so, you know, when you think about it, like when people are scared, you're like, oh, my bones were quaking or something. You know, it's, uh, some, yeah. it's something that we've kind of like always known about our bodies. We've been listening to our bodies and we felt it. But now we have some science that kind of says this is where that comes from. And so when I'm kind of trying to go into that meditative state, I'm trying to think about like, how do I quiet my bones? Oh wow, like that's that. really cool. Yeah, yeah. I, that's that's actually new information for me. So um, I'm I'm yeah, glad I, you shared I, that. Of course, I'm, I'm I'm trying to like do some more research on it too, and, and see what's up there. Because you know, we always think about our you know we're talking about fascia and muscle and, and our bones. You kind of like think of your bones as like you know they're alive, they're part of you, but because they're solid, I, maybe they don't seem as living. But now that we see that there's so much about who they are they they make up like a lot of who we are and our reactions to the world i believe like our wisdom is inside that bone marrow yeah in some degree you know there's so much like we always think of our bodies as the brain mm -hmm. you know and it and and our bodies knowledge our 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 personality our wisdom our instincts that quiet voice that mm -hmm. lives inside us that can't be measured or examined 
that lives in the, in the gut flora Mm -hmm. that lives in the marrow in your bones that lives in your spinal column that lives in, in the scars and, and all the traumas that you've had throughout your life. And like, if just, if you look at the DNA of the organisms that live in your body, if you just pulled out all the bacteria that's in your digestive system, it's like a bag of flour. (laughs) It's a giant sack of, of organic matter that is not only just digesting your food, it's sending signals to your other parts of your body and your brain says, you know what? I love cheeseburgers. I want you to eat more cheeseburgers because you've been eating cheeseburgers. I have a lot of those bacteria. Well, and the thing about it is, (laughs) is the more you eat a certain kind of food, the bacteria that likes to eat that kind of food sends more and more signals. And so if you're trying to train, it's like voting kind of, if you're you're trying to train your body to eat a certain way, you have to give the bacteria in your stomach time to grow. That sends the signals and says, I rather have, you know, a, 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 chicken breasts and broccoli as opposed to a pizza. Yeah, which is really spectacular. I mean, biology is mind-blowing to me. And I think just the more knowledge we have around it, I, for me personally, I feel more empowered to to make informed decisions, even if they're a decision of like, I'm going to pay for this later, but I totally want this. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, I think information like that's powerful. And any cell in our body that has DNA, I mean, holds the story of our body. Well, and the DNA is, you know, is not the same and all throughout our body. I mean, and then those mm-hmm. organisms that are, you know, that we're symbiotic with, they're a completely set, a different set of DNA. And I even know, the mitochondria that controls the en- energy, like people always think about steroids as like this magic pill, or they, they think about, you know, cartoons or Captain America with Vita rays. But all steroids do is basically facilitate the mitochondria to absorb uh, sugar and protein to build more muscle and right. mitochondria that's in our body used to, you know, evolved separately from us. And we have a different DNA in the mitochondria than we have in the cells where the mitochondria live. So what you're saying is it's like those steroids aren't for me. Those are for the foreign bacteria that live inside my body. Well, it, <laughs> it, it, part of it is like, you know, understanding this process then doesn't become so scary, you know? And it's like, you know, in terms of like the pharmaceutical industry, the supplement industry, uh, processed food industry, there's a lot of money to be made keeping you away from understanding, to, from listening to your body. Because I think that's a huge, yeah. huge point too, because you can listen to your body in movement, but it's also important to listen to your body in the foods you eat mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and how it affects you, your mental state, your emotional state, uh, it's really powerful. A lot of people, I think, uh, don't even understand how connected that is. You're a big believer in red gr- meat and grilled vegetables. <laughs> it's good for the fascia. <laughs> Those work for my body. Yeah, they work really well for my body. Uh, I have some severe allergies to wheat and gluten, so um, I don't do a lot of grains. Uh, I, I find personally for me when I eat grains, it it almost triggers this excitement in my cells that feels anxious. Yeah. Um, and so I have found just by tracking that, that my, my body, my emotional state, all of it does better when I have less grains. And if ever I'm feeling the rare times I'm feeling lightheaded, uh, dizzy, like I might pass out. Um, a lot of people are like, you need glycogen. And I'm like, oh, no, give me a piece of meat. <laughs> I will rebound back so fast. 
um, and meat does that for me. So like your refrigerator is filled with like, you know, chicken on a stick or some like cooked ground beef or what? Yeah, mostly like steak and ground beef and veggies. Sounds delicious. I'll share with you my recipe for peanut sauce. <laughs> and that's uh, grain free. Well, you can use a uh, tamari, mm-hmm. which is the grain free version of soy sauce. Right. Now, we have a lot of great questions from our listeners, and you guys uh, can interact with us on social media. You can follow me, Fausto Fernos, or Mark Felian, or our guest today, Levi David, which there's two eyes in your name, right? Yeah, the one with the normal eye was taken, so I just uh, had to be a little excessive with the eyes. So it's Levi, yay, 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 David. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you know, Brett, uh, we, we got some great questions, but the first one I want to talk about, because of course he's throwing shade and a compliment to me, is Nate. <laughs> uh, Nate has a phenomenal physique. Do I know Nate? You do not know Nate. Um, uh, and he says, Fausto, your biceps are truly huge, but please forgive me. They're way out of proportion with the other muscle groups in your body. (laughs) I don't, I like that though. Uh, what's your secret for big arms or taking photos of your arms to make them look big? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and part of it is that, you know, this gets into the question of, of, uh, an extra spot, you know, in our show, we try to spotlight mm-hmm. certain exercises and write this down guys tricep cable crossovers are my favorite tricep exercise and it's not easy because always the machine to do this is being occupied at the gym but you're basically getting two cable machines and you're you're sort of putting your um your fists together like your wonder woman blocking bullets and then you're going to stretch out your triceps with each hand holding onto a cable and you want to go real light on this stuff. Cause it's like, it, it messes with your mind because it, it puts so much good tension and so much ergonomic tension on your triceps and you will get the most amazing pump the first day one. Mm. And, and then uh, the other exercise that I really like is hammer curls on a preacher bench. And I always struggle with growing my biceps until this past year I stumbled upon that and baby, that is making my forearms and biceps get that gym, gymnast pop. Mm-hmm. Where did you get the hammer preacher curls from? I, you know, <laughs> you saw me do it. One day. I saw like, you doing it. <laughs> <I'd be> like, <laughs> I got to do that. But I've seen other people okay. doing it. And, and, and part of it is, too, it's like, you know, a lot of gymnastics mm-hmm. people, they're doing a close grip um, where their fists, where your hands are facing each other. Chin ups. And, you know, and then just stopping in the middle of that. So you're, you know, when we think of a chin up or, or a pull up, you're, you're thinking of the body in motion. Mm-hmm. A gymnast is, and, and you, Levi, you have this background, right? You're yes. pulling yourself up and then as you're going down, you just stop. And that I sends mean, that not? signal to your body, like grow the, grow these biceps and make them into boulders. that's actually exactly what it's saying but also as you're doing it in a calisthenic way like you're extending through your entire fascial body because of the weight of it pulling down through your biceps through your whole body so 
everything we've talked about fascia is also happening at the same time. So, so the the active because Voss was saying like uh, doing pull ups is what guys not the pull up, but it's also but where you position your where pull, pull ups, yeah, where you position your hands on that pull up because that's really how you build those arms. And so the fascia is a big part of that. Is that what you're saying? How how is that? Because like everything's just it's pulling. pausing when you're yeah. coming down. Oh. But even just just causing, guys who say they have big arms, they get from stretch. doing regular pull-ups, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that a big... But a big part of the training yeah. for pull-ups and, and chin-ups is yeah. pausing. Okay. So it's not just the ability to get your your you know, your know sack of meat mm-hmm. up and down. It's also stopping on the way down, mm-hmm. you know, which is a, sort of an emphasis on the... Uh, forgive me, concentric or eccentric? Eccentric is the one where you're stopping... You're fighting the gravity as it as you're moving down. So if you're isolating, it's isometric. Yeah. If you're holding, right. Um, but essentially, if you're creating an eccentric, you're fighting it, um, and it's winning. Uh, it's creating an incredible stretch, and it's it's essentially the part where the brain is triggered to be like, "Oh gosh, I need to adapt to this because this force against my body is winning. I need to do better next time." And so, you know, a lot of people think of of training your arms as these isolation movements, but I tell people it's like your close grip bench press, your dips with a close, with a narrow grip, um, you know, close grip pull-ups. And when you can build strength in that, then it's going to make your arms bigger. But, but the, the, the shady part of his question, (laughs) take a good photo of your arms and they can look big. Remember, uh, foreshortening is the objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. So lean your bicep as you're flexing into a mirror. And then with your free hand, you take a picture of yourself in the reflection in the mirror. And if you look at all my photos, you see that the hand that is, that is holding the camera, the phone, is much, much, much smaller than the bicep. Mm. And it's not like I'm a crab walking around with an uneven thigh. <laughs> you got tiny hands. It's, it's part of it is just, you know, um, emphasizing the body. You know, photography is, a, is an art form, and you can make certain parts of your body look bigger just by bringing them closer to the lens. And I see too many people take ter- with great physiques take terrible photos of themselves I'm talking to you, Chris Bumstead. <laughs> I'm calling you out, baby daddy. Okay. <laughs> he has a phenomenal physique, but half the time his photos on social media don't reveal the massive, beautiful physique that he has. Got to foreshorten that physique. And seeing this man in person, you know, it's like, you're just like, your photos suck. Cause you're so beautiful in person. And I have so many friends of mine like this, you know, they have no idea how to take photos of themselves. And, and as, as much and straight guys are the most guilty of this cause they have no, they don't have the gay vision. They don't, they're not <laughs> looking at another man's body in a, in a pleasurable way. Right. And so as gay men, I think we just instinctively have a better skill at photographing ourselves than everybody else. Cause we're always looking at ourselves we're always trying to find other people like ourselves. And so we have this like unconscious training on how we present ourselves in a photo. And then we have years of years of Tinder scruff grinder under our belt. So whenever we do decide to pursue bodybuilding careers, we have all this experience in photographing ourselves that these straight guys just don't have, you know? And so the secret to taking a photo of your big arm is get a good pump and that means lightening the load and getting, you know, range between 50 and 20 and then dropping the sets in lightness 
So you're basically just, you know, moving your, your actual arm without any weight there whatsoever. And you can't even move your arms and you got the sick pump. And then you go to the bathroom at the gym and you pull out, take off your shirt and pull out that camera and you take the sickest, most envious photo of your jacked up arms that I guarantee you will get you the dick you want. I'm going to have to get into the gym with you sometime. I'm going to have to hear your metaphors for every exercise. <laughs> and, you know, and part of it is like uh, this, this question from uh, Illinois Grill Chill, which is a great uh, question that every, we should just ask every guest. What is your favorite unexpected result of building muscle? And part of me is like, you know, and, and, and a lot of our guests share this is that I've built this muscle because I'm attracted to muscular men and I enjoy having a muscular body. But there's a paradox here because the more I build the muscle, the less time I have to pursue the men that are attracted to me. And so I'd be like, I know you're beautiful. I know you're jacked. You're totally what I'm after for, but I just don't have time because I got to go to the gym and maintain the body that you're attracted to me for in the first place. And you hear straight guys saying this, like plates before dates or curls before girls, you know, <laughs> or, you know, but, but it is, but there's this weird thing where you fall in love with the gym and regardless of your sexual orientation, that's your new romance and not necessarily the people that you initially sought out to attract. Yeah, some self-care goes a long way. What, what about you, Levi? Like, you know, you've, you've transformed your body so many times throughout the course of your life. Has there been sort of a moment where you just like had some realization of yourself that you didn't know was there as you got bigger and smaller and bigger and smaller? I guess something that has actually surprised me lately is I've had a lot of comments from people of like, I mean, even even though you're a big jacked up guy, like, you are way stronger than I expected you to be, which always kind of surprises me because I'm like, what do you mean? You are a really um, strong guy. Like I'm looking at your videos and you're like, you have a lot of strength. Yeah. And that's been something that's been surprising to me because I mean, for me, it's always been normal, but I'm actually taking a moment to pause and realize like, what are the people seeing? Um, and that's, I think it's really just been the journey of like listening to my body to where I'm not just engaging some muscle fibers, like I'm working on engaging as many of them as possible to work in synergy um, through calisthenic movements, handstand training, all kinds of stuff. Um, and it's actually been a bit of a shock to me to realize like, huh, like I think most people don't actually access most of their potential. Um, and it's part of the journey that I, I think I'm it's taking less for granted and really appreciating after all the stuff I went through with COVID um, and just having more of an appreciation for, for all of that. Mark, did you come to any great realization <laughs> well, or like, I thought what you I asked, got my dick sucked. Well, I mean, I figured <laughs> if I got more muscular that I would get some attention from men. But I think what's one of the things that's really charming is you get attention from like senior women, like old women <laughs> will come up to you and be like, let me feel your bicep. Oh my God. That's incredible. They're not afraid to touch. It's so true. Yeah. And they're, they're like, they're happy for you. They're into it. And it's just, you know, and it's a, it, it's a, it's a wonderful reaction. And it gives you a, a way to talk to somebody who might not have ever really talked to you before or not felt mm -hmm. like they could or wanted to, but they're interested in you because of the way you look. Yeah. There was this, like, uh, we were at some party and there was like this, you know, uh, granny from Tweety and Sylvester. Mm -hmm. 
She's like, hello, young man. Do you mind if I touch your muscles? Well, I was I was talking to I went to a friend's art show once and this woman, she was kind of like, I could see like she was going for my bicep. I kind of looked and then she stopped and then I kind of looked and she went for it. Again, anyway, it's like a red light green light thing. Yeah, exactly. She's like, I'm sorry, I just couldn't resist. And I like, you know, I, I thought it was really funny. Well, the thing is, like, as you get older, your fucks just go down. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and it is like it's interesting. You know, me not giving a fuck is a very different than say my mother not giving a fuck. Mm. And some people like become nicer when they don't give a fuck, and other people become ruder and more <laughs> selfish when they don't okay. give a fuck. It's not all the same. Not all the same. Oh, I think one other surprise thing is I've definitely had guys come up to me and like want to fight me just because of my size. And it's always kind of like off putting, like, wait, what are you asking me to do right now? <laughs> Why are oh, you crossing the they street? Don't know you're gay. Or they want to punch you in because you like, they see your big chest and they're like, I'm going to punch you in your chest because you have muscle. And you're like, there's a heart <laughs> exactly. and a rib cage behind that thing. Exactly. No, I tell people this is all glass. I will lose every single fight I have. <laughs> this is an illusion. Do not touch it it'll fall apart it's a house of cards how's that work for you you know and part of it is like i, I really get turned on sometimes when a really sexy straight guy is like ready to fight i'm just like <laughs> he hit me there's a country western song he hit me and it felt like a kiss <laughs> it's so fucked up <laughs> and i'm just like you know but but it is like you i i tend to avoid going into places where a lot of drunk people are mm -hmm. just because there are people like, you know, I'm going to show my girlfriend. And, and I'm like, and you know, yeah. usually this guy is like, you know, the littlest guys are the ones who fight the dirtiest mm -hmm. and hurt the most. Yeah. You know, I'm talking to like, you know, the, the, this is like, the, we have this idea of, uh, and maybe you guys didn't grow up with this, but the Joe Weeder, uh, Charles Atlas fitness plan that was in the comic books. Mm -hmm. It was the 98 pound weakling. Yeah, who got sand kicked in his, his face. face. In real <laughs> life, it's, it's the 98 pound weakling who's kicking sand on the bodybuilder. <laughs> and they get into a fight and he knocks over the bodybuilder because he's small and light, where the bodybuilder's like moving, not, you know, not so. And there's videos of Arnold Schwarzenegger getting attacked all the time. Like he has oh, really? a, a, a bodyguard just to protect him from people like, I beat up Arnold Schwarzenegger. Just you know? to guard his body. And he's in, you know, Arnold's, what is it, like 85 70s. years old? 70. Or he's, you know. He's only probably 74 or something. He's a grandpa, you know? And it's like, don't touch Arnold. <laughs> I mean, I do, I'm a lover, not a fighter, you know? It's like, and if, you, if you're going to fight with me, honey, I, I will, you can do anything you want to with my body. <laughs> Anything. All right. Count on it. Uh, the, now, Kurt wants us to know. Wants to know from us. What is? What do you eat? Walk us through your meal plan and what you eat. And ask one of my bodybuilding friends, who's you know he's two seventy or so. Right now, he's training for a competition. I just wanted to share this with you guys. Um, his first meal of the day is two cups of oatmeal cooked. So that's like four cups of oatmeal. Like oh my it's a, God. It's a giant bucket of oatmeal. I ate half a cup. <laughs> yeah. Mark and I have started the day with half a cup and, 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 and the bodybuilding coach that I talked to says that's not enough. 50 grams of whey protein. That's two scoops or more than that. Right. 
20 grams of, of peanut butter. That's just one meal. Two hours later, he's eating seven ounces of chicken and a cup of white, white rice. Two hours later, before the gym, another seven ounces of chicken, one and a half cups of rice, and 20 grams of peanut butter. Super boring diet, if you ask me. <laughs> he goes to the gym. After the gym, he eats again seven ounces of chicken. How much is seven ounces of chicken exactly? Like a fist, right? Uh, you'd have so sixteen ounces of a pound, yeah, yeah. right? So yeah, so you'd want to weigh it. So, but it, just a, it's general, a little less than half a pound. Yeah, a little less than half a pound. So, what does that look like? Cooked? Depends on what your fist is. What it does. A big fist, baby. <laughs> it probably looks like your little hand in the the not foreshortened. Yeah, okay. <laughs> picture taking. <laughs> yes, one one cup of rice. <laughs> then, uh, then meal number five again. Seven ounces of red meat this time. Uh, he usually prefers a ground beef or flank steak, and then two cups of oatmeal for dinner barf and then <laughs> then he ends his day with 50 grams again of whey and one cup of gerber baby rice what is gerber baby rice it's like a like rice cereal for babies oh wow so it's easier to digest okay i can make you something like that with cinnamon on it. i'm just delicious. like I, do i have it in me okay to eat this? so <laughs> why does this guy not eat any vegetables that's my main concern what's going on there levi your thoughts I said it was all this meat and no gravy. <laughs> oh my gosh, gravy. Ugh, I love it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know his particular reason. Uh, I, but I don't this know is common. Has, but I would suggest, I mean, yeah. most people eat some kind of vegetable a day. I recommend right? because, you know. I mean, they say five, five fruits and vegetables a day. Because right? it's about a protein absorption. Okay. So the, thing, the reason why eating your vegetables is, is healthy for you, besides the fiber that helps you you know, hydrate I, your body. It also helps you push through the digestive system and is a home for all that bacteria. The that needs beautiful the fiber. bacteria. But the vegetables are also rich in calcium and potassium that allows your body to absorb the amino acids in the meat or the protein, whatever it is you're taking, you know? So it, it's, it's so important to have vegetables in your diet, not just if you're, especially if you're bodybuilding, because you want to maximize the nutrients that you're getting out of this food. So a lot of these other guys, they're also, and I try this too, is take digestive enzymes. And yeah, you know, I feel like with digestive enzymes, I'm not sure if they're working or not. They're usually like papaya based. Yeah. Right? I don't mm -hmm. like, I like, I like having fresh papaya with my meals sometimes because or pineapple, because those are rich in digestive enzymes naturally. Um, but they are rich in sugar too. So you sort of have to, you know, instead of having a cup of rice, maybe you'll have a cup of papaya and seven ounces of chicken. Yeah. My only thought with maybe why he's doing that is maybe he's looking for like really calorie dense foods. Um, well, and he's juicing, you know, he, he is creating an anabolic steroid environment where every little thing you throw into your body is going to get pushed into the cells of the muscle. Right, so he's trying to get a lot of glycogen and a lot of protein. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in terms of for you, um, we've talked about this before. Like you're not juicing with anything. This is just the way your body is right now. Correct. Yeah. And so, what is like your, what is like a normal day for Levi in terms of food? So this definitely evolved over time. So, like I said, I have uh, some limitations with not being able to eat wheat because of extreme allergies. Mm -hmm. um, but prior to COVID, and I think why it hit me so hard is because I had I had shingles really bad. 
um, and they devastated uh, the nerves in the right side of my entire torso. Oh my God, uh, Levi. Yeah, and so I say that because it's actually really informed the way I eat. Um, I have become uh, really accustomed to intermittent fasting, uh, not as a way to like try to discipline my body, but because I have much less inflammation when I'm not eating um, mm. and better energy. Uh, my nerves aren't screaming at me all the time. Um, and when I eat my first meal, as long as it doesn't contain grains, then my nerves are still pretty good. So uh, that being said, it, it kind of depends on what my body's saying to me at the time. If I, if I have very limited nerve pain, then normally I feel better about eating like a more carb-rich uh, meal. I tend to keep my meals either carbs and protein or fats and protein. I tend not to do a lot of carbs and fats together uh, unless I'm just like really feeling a certain meal that I want to have. Um, and the reason being is because from what I understand of it, when you have a certain amount of carbs that you're digesting, it kicks in an insulin response that's going to cause your body to store every bit of fat that you're eating as fat. Um, but when you're just eating carbs without the fat, it's obviously not storing that fat as fat. Well, I was hearing that um, actually what Splenda, not Splenda, but NutraSweet um, and some of these other uh, artificial sweeteners still send uh, insulin responses in your body and they actually do more harm in, in you know, creating the kind of tissue you don't want. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. So at least for me, my my daily is normally I start with like a, a keto coffee. So like coffee with blended up fats in it in the morning. Um, some people would oils or extra virgin coconut. Yeah, so like MCT oil, which is coconut derived, um, and ghee, clarified butter, um, and I have that blended. I drink that. I, I feel pretty satiated and energized through my day. I tend to not eat until maybe like a late lunch, early dinner. Uh, and I don't necessarily count calories. I, it really depends on what my goal is at any given time. Um, I, I just eat as much as I want until my body feels satiated and kind of call it a day. Uh, I do tend to eat quite a bit of protein, not only because my body thrives off of it, but because I find when I keep it more protein heavy and less carb heavy, my my nerves don't holler at me so much. Um, yeah. So What's your be, thoughts on like you know? The, there's a, all these uh, Instagram or internet celebrities right now that like Liver King is one of them is like I eat only raw meat and livers and hearts and. Well, you have a friend at the gym who said he eats four pounds of red meat every day, right? Well, every so meal or every this day. This is what we we nickname him the vampire. So he's uh, <laughs> six foot four, two hundred and seventy pounds, probably 15 percent body fat. He's clearly juicing, of course, um, and he has a just a phenomenal physique, and he's beautiful. And every man or woman, anybody, is always in awe of this person. And he has, you know, some friends of his who are also bodybuilders, and they come in, and and all the younger guys all kind of crowd around them and follow them. So it's like I'm watching like the Lost Boys. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's where the like the idea that he was like the head vampire of this little tribe, you know. <laughs> 
and a friend of mine, uh, he's he's really into nutrition and bodybuilding. He's a he's a uh, he's from originally from Mexico, and he works as a personal chef to athletes here in Chicago. And he's like going up to him, and he's like, "Hey, way, uh, <laughs> you know, not way, but way." What do you eat? What do you eat? Tell me what, tell me about what you eat, man. Like, I want to get big and jacked like you. And he was just like, this guy is annoying as fuck. So to shut him up, he said he eats a pound of red meat six times a day. <laughs> and I was like, is this, is this because that's what he actually does? Or he's just trying to four pounds, six times a day, something like that. No, that's a pound, a, a oh. pound of meat per sitting, six, oh. times, like six pounds a day. Okay. Or six, you know, just an unreasonably a large amount of red meat. And he's like, do you think I could do that? And I was like, well, he didn't specify what kind of meat it was. <laughs> it could be human. And of course, you know, he was just like, I don't know if he's fucking with me or not. He was like, he took it at face value. He's like, you think he's a cannibal? I was like, no, I think he's a vampire. That's why he's so jacked. And you notice the young men that hang around him. They don't come back. They, they don't. They somehow mysterious disappear. He eats them. He eats them. <laughs> and he comes so back the, a little more jacked each time. Every time he gets bigger and bigger until he can't <laughs> fit in the door anymore. He used to be <laughs> four foot five. And then he eats the door, he eats the gym and all of us inside. It. You know, and, and so part of it is like the, the takeaway is we have a lot of different and conflicting informations about food, but I usually like to get my nutritional information from people who rely on athletic performance in order mm -hmm. to survive. Right. So I'm not going to get, you know, like Dr. Oz, Mohammed Oz, a hello, like how, how much decades did people get f nutritional information from this quack, you know, <laughs> Fuck you, Oprah. Shame and now on he's you, running Oprah. for uh, senator and he's a Trumper. He's endorsed by Trump and he might get he might become the Republic. He has already gotten the Republican nomination in Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania. This guy is a full state he doesn't even really live there. Full of misinformation. I would also like, as long yeah. as we're talking about him, I, uh, I would like to say on the record what? that RuPaul's Drag Race contestant Mimi I'm First from season three came on this podcast and declared that she had sex with Mr. Oz as a boy. He paid her to have sex. Yes. Just that is so public information. Just so everybody knows. That is public and I'm, information. I'm waiting for that to get out there. <laughs> we could re-air the show. I think we should. And then just target the news media. <laughs> You know, and, and part of it is the, the reason I say is like, you know, like the liver king is also like this right wing guru and stuff. And um, there's all these like, you know, fitness people who are like uh, aligning with Trumpers, right wing and toxic masculinity and all this stuff. And I'm like, all this hate is catabolic. It is killing your muscle because because when you are trying to build muscle, stress hormone is going to kill those muscle cells. And the most successful bodybuilders, the most successful physique models that I know of, love their gay fans and love diversity and love equality. Just saying that out there for anybody who's thinking about, you know, future Miss future Dr. Oz is out there. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to pack on muscle, get a diverse friend group, uh, you know, fight for equality. <laughs> You know, it's like, I'm a big believer in like, you know, real women squat deep. 
And part of that is like creating a space in your gym for everybody to be welcome. And like a, a Joey, Joey Swole, um, he's, he's built a following now where he goes on TikToks and finds the most harmful, most toxic, most prejudiced uh, shame videos where people are filming other people out of the gym and mm. making fun of them. And he reads them to filth. And I think that's really, you know, this is where, this is where we can fight back. This is where we can create a space where everybody is welcome. I agree. Yeah. You know, and as a trainer, I'm imagining that you're meeting people who are just like giving up. They're at the end of the rope. They, there's so many walls around them that they've built themselves, that they accepted as true. How as a master personal trainer, do you deal with those things? I think I have a kind of a, a pretty unique position as a trainer because a lot of the people that come to me are really trying to overcome some sort of pain. And so it already takes them out of the context of like, I'm here to exercise at the gym and it's intimidating or I'm scared or whatever the history of that is because this pain necessitates them wanting to do something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in my gym in Washington State, I had a mixture of clientele from a 14-year-old um, kid wanting to train for athletics in high school to an 87-year-old lady who uh, one day came in and she's like, guess what? I climbed up my ladder and cleaned out my gutters for the first time in 12 years. Oh, that's amazing. And, yeah. And all these people, I think what they had in common is like misinformation about the gym. They didn't feel welcomed or like there was a space for them and i just loved creating a culture where it's like i'm just going to empower you in your body like this is just a journey for you to meet your body and walk with it and learn how to just feel great in it feel safe in it and for me what it all comes down to is people have encountered traumas and fear in their body and they try to escape those things and that a lot of times manifests as like not wanting to be in the gym not wanting to be ridiculed not wanting to be made fun of and I always just cultivate a space like, I want you to be safe. What's it going to take for you to be safe? What's it going to take for your body to want to open up and actually thrive? Um, so that's that's a culture I, I love to see in the gym. And honestly, I'd say most of the most serious bodybuilders I've come across, male and female, um, are some of the kindest, most generous people with their knowledge um, and tend to create a really good culture in, in the gym, at least in my experience. That's what has been such an unexpected pleasure of starting this podcast is just like running across people like you. I mean, you have such a wonderful energy and you're such a gorgeous man. And, you know, I can, I can see that you like being around you is healing for the people that you work with. Oh, I love it. You have a soothing voice. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I should take up the story time with children. <laughs> <laughs> you are beautiful. You are safe. You are loved and you're going to be okay. Mm. And, and you know, it, it hurts me sometimes because I have uh, family members who used to be phenomenal athletes in their youth. And as again, it's like, you know, how, you know, a straight guy when they're a gay guy is the straight guys. When they turn 40 or 50, they just give up. Mm. They don't take any self-care whatsoever. And then the gay guys are like literally spending the entire lives trying to undo the the trauma that they had in childhood in their teenage years. And so you like the, if you, if you were into muscular men over the age of 50, 
if you're not gay, you're not gonna, you're gonna have a hard time finding them, <laughs> you know, or like Greg Avid, like I'm thinking like, you know, those, those models that still look good, like Greg Avedon or the Brian Bazzini from international mail and stuff. Like they're gotta be a little bit gay, you know, cause they, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they, they, they just look so good. And th these are guys that are like, you know, 60, 65 and you know, they're my role models. They're, they're people that I look up to and I'm like, wow, I can't wait the fact to look like that when I'm, you know, silver haired, if right. that day ever comes. <laughs> or if hair dye ever goes off the market. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who are your, who like inspires you, Levi? Like who's your, you know, person that you look to and when you're wanting to get pumped or motivated yourself? Gosh, I mean, it's a, it's a blend of things. So I love yeah. education. So there's like Jeff Nippard and Thomas DeLauer and Jeff Cavalier, who I, I think approach it from a really brilliant perspective. Um, then there's like DI Candy, like Henry Cavill and Superman or in The Witcher. And it's just like, can't pry your eyes away from him. Um, and then for me, it's normally in the gym, like whoever is there that I find most motivating that day. And it can be someone who's really put in the discipline and the effort to mold their body, or it could be like the 60-year-old person on the limp on the treadmill, and I'm like, wow, they're just getting after it. <laughs> you know? um, mm -hmm. So it, it just really depends what my headspace is and where I'm at at the gym. But um, yeah, I, pretty much everyone inspires me. Like sometimes I'm like, you know, I open up Instagram and I'm too aroused by what I see, <laughs> you know, and, and the other times I'm like, you know, cause I, I save so many instructional videos from Instagram and I found so many like really great stuff. And that's like how I discovered your, um, your YouTube channel daily body on YouTube, which only has 69 subscribers is a crime. Hey, that's just my ideal number. I just wanted to cap it out at 69. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we just we had just started that, and I say we because I had uh, partnered with someone who uh -huh. we'd worked really well together in some other fitness projects. Really great guy. Um, it wasn't quite going the direction that I was hoping, uh, and our main goal was really just to put some quality information out there that people can have access to to, to start taking themselves out of pain. So we haven't pushed it. We haven't really promoted it. I'm actually personally working on building and developing uh, an online presence and business that my goal is to actually make programming accessible to people who want to approach the gym and their mm -hmm. body in a way that actually heals them of pain and makes them resilient um, to being damaged versus going mm -hmm. and getting damaged. Do you think it's a bad idea to tell people that you're going to do something? Cause there I've heard um, studies done about goals and people who keep their goals a secret are more likely to succeed in them mm -hmm. than people who announce their goals before they do that because it sends reward uh, chemicals in your brain and gives you your body and your mind the illusion that you already mm -hmm. accomplished the goal. I guess it all depends on like how you have visualized that in your mind. Mm -hmm. um, I know that there's a lot of studies too that show putting voice to your emotions actually begins to um, disempower like negative beliefs and allows you to begin to work through them. Um, 
sometimes even voicing these things is like almost putting out there like I'm manifesting this and I've already agreed to do this and now the pressure's on because it's out there. Um, I guess it really just depends on what your belief system is around all of that. But it, like, you know, like part of me is uh, pursuing this. I don't even know like how I got roped into this. What? At the age of 50, I decided that I want to do a bodybuilding competition. Roped into it? You, you get it. You, you roped yourself into no, it. No, like I had other people be like, you got to do this. And I was like, yeah, I can. I will. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and then I'm just like, and so instead of saying like, you're beautiful, you're safe, you're loved, you're going to be okay. And you're going to win the sword and you're going to slay your enemies, see them driven before <laughs> you and hear the lamentations of their women. <laughs> And, and for me, it's like, I, you know, I love, I'm attracted to ridiculous things. And to me, I feel a little bit ridiculous and comical in pursuing a bodybuilding contest at this point in my life. I get it. I but think it's inspiring. I want to get that sword. I'm going to cut. What are you going to do when you get that sword? I'm going to slay. <laughs> <laughs> sword realness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, because a lot of these poses in bodybuilding contests are front, you know, in, when, you're, when you're practicing them, it's really good to imagine or actually hold a stick in your hand as if you're moving a sword through, through air. And a lot of people think like, you know, winning a bodybuilding contest is about being biggest and leanest. And that's not necessarily true. It's certainly a big factor in it. But how you move, how you present is Abortions. just uh, exactly is so important. And you can have, you know, 75% uh, of the body that one of your competitors is at. But if you move better than they are, you can blow the judges away and take that sword home. Get it. You know? I'm looking forward to hearing uh, when you're bringing that sword home. Um, but now that you've said that all out loud, do you feel like you already won it? <laughs> that's, that's my concern, right? It's like, you know, we because I'm an entertainer and we create content. And, and part of it is like, you know, my friend Chris says, you're manifesting something that you've dreamed about and you manage to create this like community to help realize it. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, it, to me, it's like the journey is just as important as the destination, and I'm almost enjoying the journey too much. If that's, I, if that's it's, <laughs> and so to me, I'm like, if I actually won and got that sword, I'd be just like, I feel like the dog that caught the car and doesn't know what to do with it. You take photos with it, show it off. Take it to the bar. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be like, it. look what you I pose got. with your bicep a little bit. No, when you have guys come over, you play with the sword and then you play with their swords and you have sword <laughs> fights. And, <laughs> you know, just don't poke an eye out. I just want to lick the sword. <laughs> I was like, you're going to get rusty. Don't cut yourself. Yeah, but those swords are like, you know, like stage props. They're mm. not sharp, are they? I don't think they're sharp. I don't know. One of our guests coming actually is going to bring his sword. Oh, really? Yeah, he just won it. At the age of 21, he won his first bodybuilding competition. Wow. Wiped Dang. the slate clean. James uh, on Instagram, Tiny Tink. Mm. And, he, and he got his sword. I was like, I want to see that goddamn sword. Did he bring it to the gym and show it to you guys? <laughs> he hasn't brought it yet to the gym. Oh, he's like, it's in the trunk of my car, man. Come out and look yeah. at it. <laughs> and he puts you in his trunk and takes you someplace. He could kidnap me anytime, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Levi, it's so good talking to you. We had so much fun with you. Uh, if people want to hire you as a, as a trainer, you're currently based out of Asheville. 
Asheville, North Carolina. NC. Oh, really? Oh, I heard such great things about Nash or Asheville. It's beautiful. Come visit. I will. I hear. Uh, I want. I did a report in college on the uh, Biltmore Estate, which is not too far yeah. from. There. I got an A on it. And my English teacher was like, "You should become an English major." I'm just like, "Well, we'll see." Is it in Black Mountain College where Merce Cunningham and John Cage met and fell in love? In I, Asheville, just outside of Asheville, no, North. I believe it is. Yeah, in Montreat, we do have Black Mountain. Yeah, Black Mountain mm-hmm. College is based there, and uh, Asheville's yeah. kind of like it's a little bit like kind of like a hippie granola town too, isn't it? It was, but during COVID, it has gentrified a lot. Oh, I mean, listen to Levi. Is yeah. he as granola as it gets? <laughs> <laughs> but he can't eat granola because he's uh, got gluten intolerance. Yes. We well, have gluten free granola. Could. That would be miserable. What's the fun in that? I haven't made my own granola in a while. I know. We make beautiful granola. There's a lot Ooh, of oil in granola. You know? But you can buy like uh, gluten free oats and make sure. granola that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's, pro- it's how it's processed, right? You can eat oats, but just not like the Quaker stuff. Yeah, so like there's most grains have some level of gluten in them, like rice does, mm-hmm. corn does. Um, but there is something different, and I don't know why and how my body processes like wheat gluten. I, I think maybe it's because it's, I don't know if it's a genetic modification or if it's because it's so much more abundant in wheat. But um, uh, I do have slight responses to other kinds of grains, but wheat I just can't do. And so a lot of the ones like oats that are marked gluten-free mm-hmm. are probably processed in a facility that does not have wheat versus oats that aren't marked gluten-free mm-hmm. are probably processed in a facility that has wheat. Mm. But Levi, before we let you go, I want to ask you about, because they have sell these products and especially, you know, cause you deal with fascias, they have these fascia blasters, especially for like your face. Are you a are you a believer in What's that? What's a fascia kind of? blaster? So I, it's like a like a, a tool. Fascia blaster. Yeah, a fascia blaster. It's like a little tool. It's a kit, and it's supposed to kind of like I don't you know. It's like when Madonna rolls the something b- like black that, right? ball on her face. <laughs> yeah, something like that, right? Uh, what What do you make of that? Do you think it's uh, will be good to like keep you kind of have a youthful kind of you know because we love foam rolling and that does stuff. You know, I, I imagine there would be a similar benefit, or do you think it might be exaggerated or? Uh, Honestly, I I can't speak confidently to it because I haven't tried it myself or observed mm, it. Mm. Um, I know people who swear by it, um, but yeah, I I can't I can't confidently speak to that. Well, in acting school, uh, they gave us uh, lessons and mm-hmm. taking your knuckles and just rubbing them on your jaw, and that helps relax the tissue in your face. Oh, so you should do that before BJ's, right? Before you suck a dick, honey, just take your knuckles and rub them on your jaw so you can unhinge like that snake and go up the egg. (laughs) Doing it right now. Yeah. And, and, you know, part of it is, I think, you know, with anything, it's uh, people ask us all the time, like, what works and what doesn't work? And I was like, well, you know, part of this is it's an experimentation because there's not a lot of money being poured into the proper type of research. Because they, you know, how, how much money can a f- big pharma make by telling people to exercise and eat healthy? Not a lot, right? But if they can sell you all kinds of other, you know, blood pressure medication and insulin and all that other stuff, then they're going to be studying that more closely. So a lot of this is still and probably will be for a long time anecdotal. It's true, although I feel like we're in a really sweet time in history where, you know, everyone's always been searching for the Holy Grail and longevity and youth. And now we're in a, 
in an age of science where stem cells and CRISPR and things like that are becoming like a real possibility for um, extending quality of life and um, life in general. Did and you I, say CRISPR? Mm-hmm. What's CRISPR? It's where you put the lettuce in the refrigerator. <laughs> it keeps it good longer. This is what it does for the body. There's like um, a, a gene editing uh, tool, bacteria. Um, there's a really fascinating research that's being done on uh, this part of bacteria that is adapted to be able to combat viruses. And if it's if they encounter a virus that they have experienced in the past, like they have these tools and mechanisms that are like these arms that come out and it's like snip part of the the chain in the virus and make it inert. But mm. scientists have actually found a way to utilize this and actually are are working towards being able to edit DNA with understanding how this part of the bacteria works. And it's quite fascinating. Um, I want to say that they have used it to try to heal someone who had um, HIV. And I want to say in one, in like their first trial run, I think it was incredibly unsuccessful, but I think at one point they had a really successful go at it and was able to make someone go from HIV positive to negative well for a second i thought you were gonna say they're <laughs> they were successful in making somebody hiv negative HIV positive. into positive, <laughs> well, that's positive. Easy enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i just want to go in the future into a machine and be like please specify the body part you want to go and it's like, <laughs> give me big titties <laughs> them big old titties <laughs> levi it's so good to talk to you uh, people can hire you. I guess you're available as a as a master personal trainer, health and wellness coach in Asheville, North Carolina. Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah, although I am almost exclusively going to uh, working towards this online business. So that's going to be the best way for them to engage me or to get a hold of me through Instagram. And that's a uh, Levi. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Levi with two eyes. The extra eye is for insanely hot. <laughs> David, you. not Larry David. <laughs> uh, are you related to Larry David at all? Well, fellas, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for your laughs, <laughs> you for are? your words. Wait, wait, wait. Are, are you related to Larry David or anybody in your family? <laughs> I mean, you have the same last name, so. <laughs> Wishful thinking. Don't get me started on Larry. <laughs> Levi, it's so good talking to you. Have a wonderful evening, and thanks for coming on Let's Grow Big Together. Yes, All right. thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course, anytime. Bye-bye, Levi. Good night, fellas. Levi David lives in Asheville, North Carolina. Follow him. Levi, with two eyes, David, on Instagram. And, of mm. course, follow me, Fausto Fernos. And me, Mark Fillion, M-A-R-C-F-E-L-I-O-N. It's the, it's the French spelling. Well, it's the gay. Très bien. With the C is uh, continental Europe. Or Ooh, Europe. la 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 the la K la is la English. la. Uh, we have a comment from Tuomo says, Fausto and Mark, I am madly in love with Let's Grow Big Together. Your podcast is wonderful. Uh, I'm a fan of Feast of Fun and Let's Grow Big Together. I enjoy listening to LGBT while on the elliptical, and I listen again to the show and take notes. Well, awesome. Yeah. Uh, tell us what you've learned. I want a condensed version, Tuomo. Oh, 
tell me what I told you. I want to know. Um, well, it, it, part of it is, it, look, it, it, there's a lot. You know, mm-hmm. your body is, the universe is reflected in your body. The, the, what is it? The elements in your body is what? Hydrogen. Stardust. We're all stardust. Well, baby. it's hydrogen, oxygen, carbon, and uh, gas. <laughs> lots of gas. But so those, those elements are also in the universe. The universe is inside us mm-hmm. and we are a part of the universe. And there is infinite ways to learn and discover your body. So investing in yourself and researching and, and trying new things is a really good place to start. And there's no wrong way to do it. Even a tiny step forward can yield amazing adventures for you to pursue in. And that's what we're here for. You know, that's, that's what we want to, because we, listen, we've been podcasting for 17 years. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about this, like 17 years from now, Mark and I will be in a retirement home, you know, eating applesauce, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, uh, well, you know, it's like part of the reason why we do what we do yeah. now is so that, you know, those 17 years from now is like, people are going to look at you and be like, oh my God, that guy's in his, you know, sixties or seventies. 67 you know? for me. Yeah. And so uh, like, he doesn't look a day over 50 or, you know what? I, so that's the idea is like, I'm working on, uh, I enjoy this body that I have now, yeah. but I'm also building that body for the future because I've seen what happens to older people when they lose muscle mass and it's just it's it's hard to live yeah yeah well and listen you know you don't know what tomorrow no we don't know but you know it's also you know that's why I enjoy what I do live in the moment you're living in the moment so it's for now but it's also you know keep an eye on the future if your dream is to get into Winnebago Mm -hmm. and suck every dick from Portland to Miami (laughs) not say he did that but not say he did right but But he didn't say he didn't No, he to didn't. be clear, to, to be, be clear, and so mm-hmm. pursue your dreams. You yeah. know, it's like if your dream is to build muscle, do that. But if your dream is to paint a painting or write a poem, r- start a book, write a right. manifesto, start yeah. a revolution, you know? unionize people in your community. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be part of a union to benefit from a union. That's right. Like you can see all these corporations peeing in their diapers right now because people are react are fighting back and standing up for them because the government's not doing it for them so they've got to do it for themselves ain't no way that's happening and so these corporations aren't suddenly like we're going to raise people's paychecks we're starting to implement new policy and and i'm like telling everybody well unions don't suck so much huh (laughs) oh it just sounds just like overnight they just became altruists Mm -hmm. no because they're there's they're worried they're trying to prevent people from taking the means of production, the ownership of their bodies and, and saying enough, I am going to pursue my dreams. I'm going to live my best life. And here is where you start. Mm-hmm. Let's grow big together. Damn it. And we're doing this together. <laughs> together. You're in this together yes. with us, with us, with us. It's a pleasure. It's a total pleasure. And the best way to support this podcast is to become a plus member. And you can do that at feastofun.com slash plus because your contribution to the show is what makes this show happen. We wouldn't be able to talk to wonderful people like Levi and, and learn about fascia and, you know, tension and release and everything if it weren't for people who took time out of their day and said, hey, I'm going to sign up and, and make Feast of Fun and let's grow big together. 
uh, a thing for people to enjoy in the future. I really like that collaboration between Fasha and Trixie Mattel. I thought it was a beautiful <laughs> album. You know, I did feel like though she was sent home too early. <laughs> yeah, but she didn't know the words to her song. What can you Fasha, do? Fasha, you know. Fasha. Fasha. That's a great drag Don't thing. underestimate your Fasha. Yes. She it's was what's holding your face together. Think about that. Yeah. What's holding your face in place is your Fasha. <laughs> Be nice to Fasha, and mm -hmm. your Fasha will be nice Feed to you. Feed your Fasha a collagen-rich diet. Massage it. Massage touch it. it. Touch it. Touch the skin, honey. Mm. Touch it all over. Realize that I am a goddess on earth. You like what you see? Do you like what you see? It takes time and energy and love. Love, children. Love yourselves. <laughs> See, I can I can talk just just like anybody else. Yes, you can. Yeah. Okay. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye.